Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews, author interviews and book reviews. Well, how are you all doing? I hope you're okay. Um, Today, I've got some good books to tell you about today. Well, some, I've got three great books a poetry collection, which I love, and then a book that didn't quite do it for me. Um, But that's just my personal view. We'll see what you think as well. So coming up, we've got The Drift by CJ Tudor. And CJ Tudor is coming on to talk to us all about this book. Then we've got The Mysterious Case of the Alpton Angels by Janice Hallett. We've got Cold People by Tom Rob Smith. We've got The Poetry Pharmacy and The Poetry Pharmacy Returns. Uh, by William Seacart. Now, those are, as I say, two different books. I think one I've mentioned before, but I wanted to talk to you about the latest one. And finally, we have got Geiger by Gustav Skordman. So there we are. Those are your books. Anyway, had a calamity today. I have, it's fair to say, various bookshelves around the house. And in my bedroom, I've got three bookshelves that I have that I use a lot in social media. And A book fell behind the bookshelf and try as I might, I couldn't get this book out. It then was pointed out to me that when we put the bookshelves in, we put these, I don't know, technical technical term things in from the bookshelf to the wall so that the bookshelves wouldn't actually fall over and kill somebody. Quite a helpful feature in a home. And it was pointed out to me that the all these mechanisms had come loose. And so there was nothing stopping the bookshelves from falling over. And I was told that was because of the weight of the books, that I had too many books and that I had to get rid of some. You, it, it's like, I still think, but, but these are like my children, these books, I can't get rid of them. So... Some serious sorting out has occurred and I'm looking mournfully at the bookshelves as I talk to you and they are looking a little 
thinner. And I've also normally have the books right... Oh, sorry to go on about this, but I normally have the books right on the line of the bookshelf. So there's this beautiful straight line. And now I've had to push them to the back of the bookshelves, which doesn't look as nice, but it reduces the risk of someone being impaled by falling books. So there we go. Oh, now pantomime chat. I've had lots of messages from you from last week about you very interested in me and my role as fairy godmother. Honestly, it's a tiny role. I'm on blink and you'll miss me. Um, but yes, yeah, so we've had two rehearsals so far. And my goodness, there is drama in the amateur dramatics. That's what I'd say. There's a lot going on. It's a lot of fun. Lots of laughs. I'm really enjoying it. The first rehearsal, we went through the whole script just once. So everyone sort of got a feel for it. And then the second one we went through, we we're supposed to go through just the first half, but that seemed to zip through quite quickly. So we've gone on to the second half. So I, I don't know. There's, there's more going on. There's a rehearsal tonight. So I'll fill you in on the drama because it's just incredible how, yes, Things happen and uh, there's always stuff to talk about. So there'll be more panto chat next week. Anyway, let's get started. The Drift by CJ Murder. CJ Murder, why am I saying that? CJ Tudor. Listen to this. An overturned coach, a stranded cable car, an isolated chalet, three groups of strangers, a deadly killer, no escape. I mean, that's really all you need to know, isn't it? That just tells you ev that's the sort of blurb I like. I don't want a blurb that's going to tell me everything and then... It almost I don't want to read the book it's like sometimes I go to the cinema and you know how you have the trailers at the beginning of other films some of them you watch the trailer and you think well I have seen the whole film in that trailer there is no need for me to go and pay whatever to go and watch the whole film so anyway I love the blurb on this very good let me read you the first sentence Hannah a watch alarm was beeping Someone was being sick, loudly close by. Several people were sprawled at odd, impossible angles over the uprooted coach seats. Blood pooled in eyes and dripped from gaping mouths. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, but that is just... Oh, that is just brilliant. It's a great... Well, should I... let me tell you what I think and then we'll go and talk to CJ Tudor about this. It is a great book. It really is. It's it is different to her others and not in a not in a bad way at all. It's just there's more of it. And um, it's it's more it's not sort of not that it's always happened small town in England with the, all the disconcerting things that happen. But that's often the case, whereas this is somewhere in the world. And it's just, oh, yeah, it's just like her books with Red Bull. Uh, I just thought they were really, it's really good. It's a great read. You know me, I'm not very good with horror, particularly full on horror. And I was fine with this. Blood pouring out of eyeballs, not problem. Read on. No, I just thought it was, it was great. But enough about me. Let's talk to CJ Tudor now. Well, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome back the one, <laughs> the only, <laughs> CJ Tudor. Welcome back to the podcast. The one and only. Well, the last time we talked, we had the delightful background noise of your daughter singing. because uh, It was a lovely summer's day and the windows <laughs> were open today. It's a little bit rainy, but we have 
the the golden thing to focus on, which is your fabulous new book, The Drift. So can you start by telling us a little bit about it? Yes. So The Drift is um, it's a slight change in direction, really, from my other books, which were more sort of, I suppose, sort of small town, perhaps mysteries with sort of a, a hint of sort of creepiness or supernatural. The Drift, I want to do something different. So The Drift is essentially three stories in one, in a way. So it's got three um, separate protagonists, groups of people. And, and basically it's set in sort of, I, I don't disclose exactly where it's set. It's a very snowy, sort of isolated location. It could be sort of North America. And there is Hannah. And she is a student who's being evacuated from a, a quite exclusive school in the mountains during this terrible snowstorm. And the coach overturns and crashes. And Hannah finds herself trapped in this overturned coach with survivors and, you know, the people who didn't survive in the coach, slowly sort of getting buried in the snow with no means of escape. And that's sort of where her story starts. And we soon find out there's a little bit more behind the crash, a little bit more behind why she can't escape, you know, for, for example... The driver of the coach doesn't seem to be there in the coach crash, so where the heck is the driver? We start to find these disconcerting things about her situation. The second situation is Meg, who wakes up aboard a cable car, stranded thousands of feet in the air between mountains, essentially, with other five other strangers, and very quickly we realise a dead body. <laughs> in this stranded cable car, thousands of feet in the air. But yet once again, it, there's this situation of why are they there? How come, you know, they've, they've woken up in this situation? Who are these other people? Why is there a dead body? What's going on? And they're stranded in this snowstorm. And the third situation is uh, Carter. And he is in an isolated chalet in the mountains, a place called The Retreat, with some other companions who he kind of lives and works with at this, uh, at this chalet, where they... I was going to say they welcome guests, but it's not quite as straightforward as that again. And they find themselves in this situation with the snowstorm where, you know, they're kind of semi-trapped in this place, the power is failing, and, and should the power fail, then they've got a lot of problems to worry about. Not just things that might be outside, but something that's within the chalet in the basement itself. And in all these situations, I think you they're, they're all somehow connected. And you slowly start to see as the book goes on that, Things aren't as straightforward as you might think. There's odd stuff happening, disconcerting things in each situation. And, you know, what, why are these people trapped? What are they trying to get away from or get to? Why is no rescue coming for them? Why isn't someone turning up to sort of get the power on or help them? And then slowly it unfolds that, you know, the situation they're in, we, we are, and I don't think it gives too much away, actually, because we find this out relatively soon within the story, that we're sort of in a, new, a near future where sort of the world has been kind of ravaged by this hate to say it's kind of viral virus pandemic and it's, it's kind of sort of a post-apocalyptic setting and society has kind of crumbled and these people are sort of essentially trying to survive trying to get somewhere um to survive um so yeah so that's that's not not in a very small nutshell but that is kind of the drift um and it always every time i say that word viral pandemic i think oh my god people, oh god no i don't want to hear about that and i'm always very quick to point out that it's very much a background a kicking off point for the book to set the scene, um, you know, as to why these people are where they are and, and why they're trying to sort of get to where they need to get to. Because it's very much a story about their own individual survival and how those stories then gradually link up throughout the book. So it's a very human story again. And I think it's very tense, hopefully, and edge of your seat and chilling in more ways than one. Um, and and there's, a mis there's mysteries involved as well as, as what's going on. Each, each kind of situation is kind of its own locked room mystery as to what's going on and then they all kind of come together to form a bigger story well it's fun to write 
Yes. Oh, my God. And fun to read. Wow. And uh, what I wouldn't want is people thinking, oh, gosh, there's three different elements. Um, I like simpler books. So I'm not going to get on with it. You do. You set it out so well. Thank it you. doesn't feel like it's too much to process. You just open the book and you're just hooked. And you, yes, you don't want to leave this story that just grips you oh good I'm glad to hear that yeah I want I mean I, I hopefully I wanted it to work out like that you know I was I was you know, keen that it, it, it it's not a task to read hopefully you get into it all quite quickly you know I, I like I hope it's sort of a thrilling thrilling ride and, and yeah it, it does grip you and you know you don't want to put it down once you've started which is always kind of the key <laughs> and as soon as I'd finished it I wanted to watch the film version so I'm assuming well ah! <laughs> Is there some new, or is there no news? Well, there's, there's sort of, it, it's already been optioned. It was optioned before, a few months ago, actually, quite a long time before publication. It, there was a lot of interest from production companies. I think I spoke to about seven production companies about it, which is lovely, which is great, who all saw it as being very filmic or as, as a sort of a, a good limited series. Um, and it has been optioned by the same production company who have just finished filming The Burning Girls, um, Buccaneer Media. Because I spoke to a lot of production companies, which, which is lovely, but but difficult. Because you're like, oh God, I make the right choice. And, and but, but I, I already have a relationship with them, and they've been they've been great with the Burning Girls. And I and I felt that it would be in in good hands. And then they had the right vision for it. And you know they're sort of you know talking to a scriptwriter and showrunner. So yeah, fingers crossed. Because you can never tell with TV because sometimes the Burning Girls happened really quickly in TV terms, whereas other books that I've had you know that were optioned are, are still in development. You know, three four years later, I'm hopeful that we we might see something happen on it in in relatively TV short time. You know, within the next sort of year or two. <laughs> we'll get back to the drift in a minute. But as you mentioned, the Burning Girls then that's finished now so when yeah, it's in post-production as they say <laughs> so when might we be seeing that and where would we see that it will be autumn this year and it's going to be going out on paramount plus so oh my yeah. goodness exciting and terrifying i think that's it i keep putting it in my mind a little bit it's, it's all been really exciting because i got to visit the set and the cast's amazing you know we've got samantha morton playing reverend jack brooks i, I was lucky enough to go along for some film and, and see them putting some of it together and yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. Uh, but now at that sort of stage where I'm just like, you know, what I've seen looks great. And I'm just like, oh God, I hope it's good. I hope it's, I hope it's, I hope it's good when it all comes together. Because yeah, it's, it's, it's I've, you know, it's, it's a first for me. Um, and so yeah, I've never been in this situation before. So it's sort of kind of scary as well, because again, it's beyond your control. So, you know, it's going to go out there and people are going to see it. And I'm like, oh God, I hope it's good. And I hope people like it. <laughs> We're going to love it. Don't don't worry about that. So let's get back to The Drift because it's all very exciting to talk about The Burning Girls, but we're here to talk about The Drift. And you mentioned it's a different book and it is. And yet there's still, I think if someone had given me the book and said, who, who do you think's written this? I would have said you because it's that underlying creeping unease and you just, you want to read more, but you're fearful to read more that's good that is really good because that's hopefully yeah what I would like people to take from it because yeah it is different but I think hopefully you can still tell it's one of my books um kind of with the sort of style of writing and, and how it pans out um and yeah and I wanted that sense of creeping unease that you know to feed in that that was my sort of plan if, if you know I don't really plan but that idea of like in each situation you suddenly realize there's more going on and there's, there's things happening that are, like you say, disconcerting, that don't fit. And, and what's happening here was what I wanted people to gather from, that slowly th this is not what it seems. And then, then there's a big sort of shock, perhaps, that happens here when you realise it's really not what it seems, 
which was kind of the, the idea to sort of in, in each situation for that to kind of happen. And then obviously for each sort of, in each section to sort of end on a cliffhanger wanting you to read more. But of course, then you've got to read the other two and then hopefully they'll end on a cliffhanger and you, you, you want to get back to that one as well. So that was the idea to kind of build it and build it and build it as it sort of went along. Um, and it was, it was, you know, I really loved writing it. It was, it was great fun to write this one. Well, I was interested. Was it, yes, I can imagine it was f- fun to write with the sort of pace involved, but was it quite hard as well because of the different elements and bringing them all together? Yeah, I mean, I wrote each character's section, you know, as if it was three separate stories in a way. Um, I wrote them all as self-contained stories. So I wrote Meg's part and I wrote Hannah's and I wrote Carter's all as like, you know, 30,000 words of self-contained story. Because I think you have to do that because you have to keep up the, the pace in each section. And, and there's a danger of, of making one section less interesting otherwise. And, and I think it would be more complicated to write. And also you'd lose the voice for the character if you were trying to, to write them and, and as, as you went along, go from character to character. So making them self-contained stories meant you could be fully in that character and tell their story and then write the other person's story. But drop like breadcrumbs in. And then I, I basically cut them all together. And that was kind of the, the hard work stage of then, therefore, dropping in those little clues from each section that would link and making sure it all flowed and that the timeline worked and, and all those complicated things. And, and that it had the right sort of pace and, and level throughout. So that's kind of how I wrote it. And, and it, that worked well. Because also, like I say as well, you know, in, particularly in things like the cable car. When, when you, you know, Carter's section is easier because they're slightly, slightly more expansive. There's a little bit more sort of to play with. But within a very small setting like that, you've got to keep keep upping the ante. And, you, you know, you can't characters can't leave, essentially, unless they, you know, perhaps fall out. But there's no escape for them. So it, it, it keeping up interesting things happening and stuff going on was, you know, kind of important. And I could only really do that if I wrote it all in, in one thing. So, yeah, so that was my kind of technical way of doing it. And, and, and it worked. Hopefully it worked. Oh, gosh, yes, clearly. But I was interested as well, as you were writing it, even in the three sections... Were you doing anything different to how you normally write? Were you drinking stronger coffee or, <laughs> I don't know, having more yeah. Haribo? You know, because, my head, basically, as I was writing. Yeah, yeah, what was... Or were you writing faster? I don't know, there was just this intense... I, I did kind of... I mean, I was very fortunate when I wrote this because I, I wasn't putting a book out that year. I had the lovely, you know, a grace period where I didn't have to worry about going anywhere or promotions and we, we, we wasn't really traveling still again then because a lot of you know, festivals and events weren't back on so I had quite a nice good run at it I think breaking up into sections made it easier as well but I, I kind of just really wanted to lose my mind a bit with this one I just wanted to go all out I, I started writing one particular scene I remember I was writing it and having a lot of fun with it and I was stopping part way and thinking is this too much who cares let's just go for it and that really was the point I think of no return once I'd written that particular scene I was like well we, that's it now we, we know we, <laughs> we know where we're going with this book and, and it was sort of it was a it was a way to let loose I think because I think sometimes you just want to do something different and you know I, I sort of really enjoyed writing the books before but I, I just felt this real need to kind of yeah write something different it, it, it probably veers a little bit more into horror in some respects but it still is essentially another way it's three locked room mysteries so but it's got different elements in it and there was world building and, and lots of stuff that I think I'd wanted to do with books for a while and I was able to sort of you know put it all into the drift and so yeah I did just just kind of go hell for leather on it really <laughs> and when you finished the book the drift did you did it feel different was it a 
was it a bigger book to birth in a way? After it was done, were you more exhausted or no. just as normal? No, I, I, weirdly, because I kind of wrote it backwards in a way as well, because I kind of wrote the ending first, which actually was really good because there's a great comfort in knowing you've got your ending. I normally know roughly what the ending's going to be, but I had that like pretty much set in stone. It was written. And so it, it felt quite nice that I was like, well, that's done. You know, <laughs> just got to fill in the stuff in between in a way. And writing in sections actually, in a weird way, made it a lot easier. There was a lot of work in obviously putting all those together. And, and I, I say we had about three proofreaders on it at one point because getting all those tiny details and timelines and everything right was quite a job. But that's like the construction part of it. So the actual writing part went really, I wrote it really quickly. I think it's probably the quickest book I've written, ridiculously. I think it was about seven, eight months. And, and it went down really quickly, the first draft. Whereas I'm writing, the book I'm writing at the moment is probably going to take... And I have had more stuff going on this year to fit in, but we'll probably be about 11 months, closer to the year mark. So, yeah, it, it, it was actually remarkably easy to write. You know, and the easiest of all my books to write, I think, in a really weird way. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was absolutely meant to be. So can I ask your next book? Is it this sort of new version of CJ Tudor or is it are you going back? It's probably the new it's probably the new to an extent with a bit of the old. The next one and the one after again you know the, the one after the one I'm writing actually is going to be completely nuts. And I already know what I'm doing for that. The one I'm writing at the moment I love yeah I'm having a lot of fun with that. Basically it's it's working title is The Gathering and it's set in Alaska. And I, 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 t- I remember talking to my agent about it and saying, you know, well, so it's basically, you know, it's set in this small town, this small isolated town in Alaska. And there's this, this gruesome murder of this, this teenager, this young boy. And this detective is called in to sort of get to the bottom of it. And she's a plucky, plucky female detective. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, good, good, yeah. Um, and you know, she's got to deal with this murder and these, you know, quite hostile, you know, people living in this small town because she's the outsider coming in. And um, did I mention the vampires? <laughs> that's, that's where we that's where we are with it really because uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of again it's, it's kind of world building it, it's set in sort of a, a world where vampires have always existed basically but they've been kind of hunted pretty much to extinction so now only live in small colonies in quite remote areas and they're protected so we have this uneasy sort of situation of people having to kind of live and exist with sort of the colonies as they're called and obviously you know this 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 boy is killed and it looks like it could be you know a colony killing and our detective detective barbara atkins is called in because she's a specialist in determining this to see whether that is the case or whether it could be something else because of course if it is then that's the only situation in which a cull can be ordered and the colony you know they can be ordered to be culled because they're they're a danger to to humans essentially and so she has to kind of make that that decision and of course there's a lot more to it than that so you know it unfolds from there basically so yeah so i'm having a lot of fun with it again and it's again it's it's i guess it's it's got a lot of the cj tudor elements it's a small town murder mystery essentially but with a lot more going on as well and and again i really enjoy that whole kind of world building thing you know setting up this kind of alternative reality in a way and also vampires who doesn't bloody love vampires I mean, you know, I've wanted to write a vampire book for so long, but I wanted it to be like a proper, you know, kind of scary vampire book. Um, and so, yeah, so this is this is perfect. Oh, this is great. I'm so interested. When you were young at school and you were being asked to write a story about, I don't know, elves and fairies, we all, we all <laughs> like, yeah, the, yeah, there was a, an elf and a fairy, but then there was a murderous wolf or a vampire. Or, and there yeah. was a werewolf, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Basically, all my stories were like that. 
It's always took, always they always take a turn to the dark. Yeah. Essentially, the teacher contacting your parents. I'm a little bit concerned. Yeah. About it. <laughs> Was there an event in your life that made you become a writer that turned you into a writer? I I think I put a lot of it down to being an only child, you know, and I've spoken to some other writers about this because I used to because I sort of didn't have anyone to, else to entertain me. I used to spend my whole time making up stories in my head and living in this kind of imaginary world. So each day would be a new imaginary world in a way. And I think that's sort of where the, the creative process started. But I always loved reading and I was always writing like little poems and stories from like a really young age. And I, and I think, again, I think I liked the fact that I could realise I could create this whole other world on the paper, you know, that I could live in. And, and, and that power to create a whole other world. I really, I really enjoyed that quite soon. And so, yeah, I sort of started from quite an early age. But I think it was because I was an early child. I, I, I did use, you know, my imagination to entertain myself a lot more. I wonder if that would happen now with social media and... Yeah, I wonder. Because my little girl doesn't read that much. She, she reads brilliantly, but she does. She's got a wonderful vocabulary. She, she writes really well. She reads brilliantly. But she doesn't choose to do it pleasure oh gosh that's yes that's interesting yeah. I mean my children are the same they I used to read so many books to them and yeah. and now they just they mock me I've got to be honest <laughs> they mock me they do impersonations of me on this podcast and yes it, it's, how old are they uh my son is 14 and significantly taller than me and my daughter's 18 and they just titter to themselves about me and my books so that, that's where you I see am. Betty mocks me already and she's nine and a half <laughs> I am already like embarrassing you know I'll do stuff I'll be like you know I'll do I'll be dancing or I'll doing something like, mom stop it it's so embarrassing the thing <laughs> is I think I'm cool <laughs> and then <laughs> and that's the problem I'm not saying you're not no cool. I'm not but in my head I'm like oh I'm I'm still cool I still I can still do well, it well you see I used to think I was quite the cool mum but no 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 you're embarrassing yeah, exactly um, with each book, I mean, you now are held in such high regard for your writing. Oh, Every time you come out with a book, is is it a privilege or, or is it a pressure in terms of expectation? It's an odd one, isn't it? I always say I don't, I don't think of the pressure or expectation, but now a week out from publication, it, it, my head's a shed. It's horrible. It, I hate, I've, I've realised, I actually hate, I hate publication week because it's so stre- it's so stressful because you have to think about all the stuff that you don't want to think about when you're writing books, which is, you know, what shops are going to sell your book and, and how many books they might want to sell and how many pre-orders you've got and and, oh, and, and all that horrible stuff because that, that's that's the expectation then because because I want, I don't like to let people down. I want my publishers to be happy and, and everyone to be happy and I want readers to enjoy the book. Um, you know, but also, you know, I want I want enough people to buy it so my publishers will allow me to keep writing books. <laughs> There's all that pressure. Um, but when I'm but when I'm writing, I try not to, to think of expectations of what I'm going to write. Like this book, initially, I think when I pitched this one, my agent and Ed were a little bit like, mm, it's not quite the same as other books, and and I, I sort of had to push a bit more to write it because I don't want to be stuck doing the same thing again and again. And with a new one, it was just like, like this is the idea. And, you know, I, I, I remember saying as well to my agent, I think it was 30 days of Night Mits Fargo, something like that. And I like to keep doing different stuff. So I don't I don't think, oh, God, God I must write this sort of book because that people liked that one last time. So I, because that'd be awful, wouldn't it? I think if you start thinking that way, like commercially, 
you know, this book was successful, so I must try and write something that's a bit like that again, so people will buy it, then I think you you suddenly make a real rod for your own back. And, and it stops it stops coming from your heart, doesn't it? It stops being a creative process then. So I never think like that. I just basically think, what's the next nuts idea I've got and what would be fun to write? And then all that stuff can come later. But, you know, essentially write from the gut and write what you love. Absolutely. I think if you write for yourself and not writing for others, then then yeah. that's what works the best. Because you can, I think you can, I mean, I, I, everybody should write what they enjoy, but personally, I'm a bit like, if I see a book where it is essentially the same book, but in a different place, I'm like, you know, for me, that that wouldn't be, you know, it might be, that might be what people want to read, but for me as, a, as an author, I, I want to keep doing different things, you know, different, you know, fresh playground every time, rather than sort of basically the same story, more or less, with sort of, you know, new characters. Um, so that's what you know that's what interests me and you know different weird ideas <laughs> absolutely I agree even though a particular genre might be the thing that people are reading yeah. you, when these books are so similar you just get fed up of them well I do you want something fresh you just want a good story that's fresh yeah and I'm, so as a reader I'm constantly looking for stuff that's a bit different you know and, and stuff that isn't perhaps you're fitting in a particular genre or someone's done something a bit different with it and it's a bit interesting because because I don't want to read the same sort of thing again and again. Um, and so that's what I like as a reader. I guess that's what I, I sort of try and write as well. And and not think about... I, mean, I couldn't really tell you what's particularly popular anyway. I, you know, occasionally I sort of see that there's a run of books seem to have a similar sort of title or a similar look. Um, and obviously there's the whole cosy crime thing going on. I'm, I'm sort of aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm never going to be writing cozy crime, so I don't let that trouble me. <laughs> well, my last question is a strange one, but I'm asking it to all authors I'm interviewing at the moment. I find myself in the Cinderella pantomime playing the role of fairy godmother. This is actually true. I haven't made this up. <laughs> really? <laughs> if you were, were in the pantomime Cinderella... What part would you choose to play and why? I don't think who's in Cinderella now. Um, oh my god! Well, you got you got Buttons, Cinderella's helper. You got the Baroness, who's Baroness, like the Cinderella's stepmother. Sisters. Yeah. Based on my acting ability, probably a pantomime <laughs> horse. Um, <laughs> probably the back end of it as well. But you'd have to be different, like your books, and then transform into something else. Yes. Yeah, I do. I think I'd be an ugly sister. I think they get a bad rap, the ugly sisters. You know, because they're called the ugly sisters to start yeah. with, which is really quite harsh, isn't it? And and yet yeah, the, the Cinderella, I mean, it's all like, mm, yeah, I'm so good. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I think I'd, yeah, I think I'd want to, I'd, I'd be an ugly sister. I'd want to turn it around, yeah. you know, and you know, basically expose Cinderella for being the, she'd being manipulative all along, you know. You know, there's a reason why they make a live in the attic. Nobody yeah. likes her because she's all smiling. Look at me, I'm so beautiful. <laughs> Talking to the birds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Love it, love it. I never want to be the popular girl. I was never the popular girl, you see. So that would have to be an ugly sister. <laughs> no, that that's great. I love it. I love the book and I love that answer. So CJ Tudor, whose latest book is The Drift. Thank you so very much. Thank you. <laughs> Coming up for more book reviews. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So let's get stuck into the next book. And it is The Mysterious Case of the Alperton Angels by Janice Hallett. Uh, Let's read the blurb of this one. Everyone knows the sad story of the Alperton Angels, the cult who brainwashed a teenage girl and convinced her that her newborn baby was the Antichrist. Believing they had a divine mission to kill the infant, they were only stopped when the girl came to her senses and called the police. The angels committed suicide rather than stand trial, while mother and baby disappeared into the care system. Nearly two decades later, true crime author Amanda Bailey is writing a book on the angels. The Alperton baby has turned 18 and can finally be interviewed, if Amanda can find them. It will be the true crime scoop of the year and will save her flagging career. But rival author Oliver Menzies is just as smart and better connected and is also on the baby's trail. As Amanda and Oliver are forced to collaborate, they realise that what everyone thinks they know about the angels is wrong. The truth is something much darker and stranger than they'd ever imagined. And the story of the Alperton angels is far from over. Let's do the first sentence. Well, you see, this is a very interesting beginning. I'm going to read you just... It's, it's, it's the first page. It's a sort of a prologue or an instruction to you, the reader. You have a key that opens a safe deposit box. Inside is a bundle of documents, archived research material for a book that has just been published. You must read it all and make a decision. Either replace the documents in the box, then throw the key where it will never be found, or take everything to the police. 
It's a superb book. It's um, it's more for me. It was more like the appeal, which was Janice Hallett's first book, than the Twyford Code, her most recent one. And why am I saying that? Because of the different sort of media that she uses to tell the story, the WhatsApp messages, the emails, the conversations. I thought it was very, very good. I really did. And yes, it's similar to the appeal in that way, but it's there's so much more to it. If the appeal is um, a starter, then Alberton Angels is your main course. I just thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Kept me gripped. I just love the different format. And yes, bravo. Very good. Now, the next one, Cold People by Tom Rob Smith. Listen to the blurb on this one. The world has fallen. Without warning, a mysterious force has claimed the planet for their own. There are no negotiations, no demands, no reasons given for their actions. All they have is a message. Humanity has 30 days to reach the one place on Earth where they will be allowed to exist. Antarctica. And yes, it is, it is as good as it sounds. So the first sentence. OK, so... First sentence. I'm going to do first sentence of actually the second chapter because it's sort of more in the now. Only society's outcasts could survive in these freezing waters. And over the years, Captain Moray had concluded there were no exceptions to this rule. I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was different. It was captivating. I love the premise of, you know, everyone's got to get to Antarctica and how many will get there and what will happen. And then what happens after that? It felt a bit like, have you seen the TV series Snowpiercer? It wasn't like that, but it just, I don't know, there were just bits of it that made me feel like that. I was just captivated by it, kept me, you know, hooked on wanting to know what happened. Cold People, Tom Rob Smith, very good. So now we come to Philippa's Poetry Corner. I feel I should have a jingle for that, but I don't. And I think you're quite fortunate to have been spared that. Someone introduced me to the poetry pharmacy a few years ago, and I have talked about this, I'm sure, on the podcast. Um, the latest one has come out, The Poetry Pharmacy Returns. It came out last year. And I wanted to talk to you about it because there's a poem in this book that just has really resonated with me. And because... OK, what, what's the poetry pharmacy about? Basically, if you've got a condition and it takes you all through different ones, might be love and loss, it could be um, unrequited love, or it could be uh, about the world, it could be fear of the unknown, social overload, ageing parents, um, anxiety, depression. Those are all ones in the first book that's read. And then, so the second book, the blue one, carries on from that. Why I'm waffling a lot but wanting to tell you about both books is that I really suggest if you like the sound of it, you get both because the Poetry Pharmacy Returns has some incredible poems in, but it may not cover all the conditions that you're looking for help with. So treat yourself to both if if you can. So the Poetry Pharmacy Returns, I thought, yeah, um, I'm up for this. I want to read more about it. And there was this one section people-pleasing. And I thought, well, yes, uh, I do feel that I 
at times can be a people pleaser. And I'm going to read you the poem because it's short, but I think it gives you an idea of what these books contain. And this poem is called I Am My Ancestor's Dream by Nikita Gill. Your ancestors did not survive everything that nearly ended them for you to shrink yourself to make someone else comfortable. This sacrifice is your war cry. Be loud, be everything and make them proud. I just love that. Oh, I'm getting shivers down my spine as I read that poem. I hope that gives you an idea. I, 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 obviously, I can't read lots from the books, but if you, whether you're into poetry or not, I hope you've got the gist of it, that it's, they're just simple. They're just a few words put together, but some of them are like a power punch. And for me, I found them really inspiring, really helpful. And they're what you might call a toilet book. You know, you have it there. And when um, you feel like you need some words to soothe, oh, these do the job. So, yeah, excellent. The Poetry Pharmacy and the Poetry Pharmacy Returns by William Seacart. They're, they're, they're beautiful books and they are just lovely. So well worth acquiring. Uh, they don't come on the NHS, but they should. Now, the last book is one that I received in a secret Santa at Christmas, which is very, very exciting. Let me read you the blurb before I tell you what I think. So it's called Geiger by Gustav Scordman. And this is the blurb. A mysterious code word, an extraordinary murder, a deadly plot 50 years in the making. The landline rings as Agnita is waving off her grandchildren. Just one word comes out of the receiver, Geiger. She has always known that this moment would come. Retrieving her weapon, she creeps up behind her husband of 50 years before pressing the barrel to his head. And then she squeezes the trigger. Detective Sarah Noah knows this is no ordinary murder case, but she will soon discover the mysterious code word Geiger is just the first piece in the puzzle of an intricate and devastating plot 50 years in the making. And let's do first sentence. Chapter one. The Royal Copenhagen coffee cups were still on the table with just the dregs in the bottom. The cake dishes were cleaned out and the glasses of juice empty. Blue polka dot napkins, both fresh and soiled, were lying all over the place. The tablecloth was covered in coffee stains and crumbs and here and there were red rings left by the glassware. The youngest children had rushed off, leaving the chairs pulled out from the table. So when I read the back of that and I read that blurb, a woman been married to someone 50 years, she gets a code word, she kills her husband. I was like, what on earth? I love the sound of this. And then there is a circle. It's not a sticker, but it looks like a sticker that says, for fans of, I am Pilgrim. And when I saw that, I was just thinking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> First of all, how have I never heard about this book? And secondly... I want to read this book immediately. And so that's what I did. I had other books that I should have read, but no, I was going to read this. And I sat down and I was immersed in it and I loved it and I was consumed by it. But then the second half just, it just lost it for me. And I do think this was me. I don't think this is. Read it and tell me what you think. I think 
I don't, it's my fault, I'm sure. But I just had so much hope for this story and these strong female characters and all that was happening. And it just sort of, all the stories seemed to be focused and concentrated at the, at the first half. And then the second half just didn't really keep me that gripped. Perchance, I was gripped far too much by the Christmas boxes of chocolates that I'd received when I read this book. So that's probably what it is. But still, read it, see what you think. If it hadn't had for fans of I Am Pilgrim, would I have read it immediately? I'm not sure. But would I have enjoyed it more? I think I would have enjoyed it more if that hadn't been on. So it's a difficult one. But it's it's nothing like I Am Pilgrim. It's nothing like I Am Pilgrim. Should we say that once more for effect? It's nothing like I Am Pilgrim. But there we go. So anyway, I've waffled. I've gone on. I've taken up so much of your time, but it's just lovely to catch up with you. Let's cover the books again that I've talked about today. So we've had The Drift by C.J. Tudor. And C.J. Tudor very kindly came on to talk to us about that book. Then we've had The Mysterious Case of the Alperton Angels by Janice Hallett. Cold People by Tom Rob Smith, The Poetry Pharmacy and The Poetry Pharmacy Returns by William Seacart and Geiger by Gustav Scordman. Those are your books. Oh, my goodness, I've got some great books to talk to you about next week. And just, yes, look after yourselves and I'll talk to you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.